You're listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Alan Draper and Eric Bassett. Each week, they'll discuss ways to scale and grow your pest control company with a goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. Understanding the why behind the what in your business is something that I think uh, occurs a lot to visionaries intuitively. Right. If you're a business owner and you're a visionary in your business, you intuitively understand the benefits, but sometimes communicating those benefits to other people is is tricky. And I think that it's really important, just like you were talking to that accountant when you said, Hey, like if it's not if we don't have at least a few, you know, four or five, six benefits, it's just not worth the pain, you know? And I think it's important for you to understand those benefits. Welcome to the Bug Bucks Podcast, a podcast designed to help you become a bug money millionaire. Today's episode is brought to you by Bug Bucks Plus, the number one course designed to help you start and grow your pest control company. I am your host, Eric Bassett, and of course, I've got your other host, Alan Draper, with me. How's it going, Alan? Uh, Going great, man. Good to be here. Excited. Awesome. Yeah, dude, another good day in the pest control industry. Absolutely. You know, just a quick recap. Last week, we covered Alan's experience with Pest World 2023 over in Honolulu, and we discussed the benefits of Pest World for owners and employees. So make sure you give that one a listen if you haven't already. And before we dive into today's episode, I just want to remind everybody listening, the best way to receive new episodes is by subscribing to our show on your preferred podcast platform like Apple, Google, Audible, or Spotify. If you love the show, please leave us a rating and a review. And one last reminder, if you haven't joined our Facebook group, go to Bug Bucks. That is B-U-G-B-U-X. We've got over 3,500 other pest control owners in that group waiting to connect with you and share their thoughts. That's also the best way for you to share your feedback on our show and have your questions highlighted and discussed here on the podcast. So make sure you find us on Facebook and join the group. Speaking of the Facebook group, man, today we are diving into a question from that group. We're going to give credit to David Cox here for asking this one. And uh, this is his post. He says, let's talk about subscription services. Mm. He's been in business for five years, initially started out offering no contract services, said it was a good way to get Mm. our foot in the door. And we have built up a decent customer base. Growth has now slowed. We are looking for a way to increase retention and offer attractive Mm. service bundles on a monthly subscription basis. And he mentions here that he offers a bi-monthly service or every other month with a 12-month service agreement. He says, who here has experience with this type of service offering, hoping to open a dialogue and make sure I can roll this out properly without scaring away our current customers? So a couple of good good little notes in there. Let's unpack this. Alan, you want to take a first swing at it? Yeah, we made the transition to subscription-based payment probably four or five years ago, something like that. Mm And I think at the outset, one of the first things that you have to understand is that it's not going to solve all of your problems. A lot of people think that when companies go through systemic change or, you know, there's some administrative changes, that it's going to be all easy, that it's going to be streamlined, that there's not going to be any hurdles. Get that out of your mind, especially with subscription-based services. And you're going to have some issues, not just with... Uh, customers. It's going to cause issues with personnel, especially Mm -hmm. if you have sales individuals. We had a really hard time with sales folks changing their mind and how they present the offering and the pricing and all of that. They had to, it took a while. 
But for us, you know, once you kind of get break through this barrier of, okay, it's not going to be perfect. And when you make change within a company, whether it's this or some other change, you have to know that the easiness of the change has nothing to do with the correctness of it or whether you should do it or not. Sometimes Mm. business owners think that. They think that if you make a change and it's a better move, that it's the right thing if it's easy. And it's this Mm -hmm. is not the way it works out. A lot of times, you know, the best changes are the most difficult. So that's okay. And it's going to be any type of change is difficult because we're human beings. We like homeostasis. We like survival. And anytime we make a change, we become more susceptible to some type of risk. Although, you know, we're not living in caves anymore. So it's not necessarily to our survival uh, physically or not. But wrap your head around that. And, you know, I think you need to decide whether it's right or not for your company based on a strategy basis. If you're talking Mm -hmm. sheer retention, you're going to retain more people. And that's because of the function of where society is headed nowadays. So there's two parts to that. Number one, it's we're in the Netflix era where it's like you have a monthly subscription to Netflix and you have a monthly subscription, you know, for lawn care or your pool cleaning or YouTube TV or you name it. There's a monthly fee and the monthly fee can be really good. But in the beginning, it's a little tougher because it's a new charge that they're seeing every month. But once they get over Mm -hmm. that period of time where it's like, okay, I'm not surprised by this monthly charge anymore. Then it's like when they look at their statement, they don't really see it. And that gives you an opportunity to kind of add value back through reservices and things like that because of the second aspect. And that is disassociating the payment from the service. You know, you don't get as many, hey, your technician was out here for 15 minutes type Mm -hmm. calls. Now, they shouldn't be out there for just 15 minutes. We need to always be building that value back through the service. But when you disassociate the subscription price from the service, then you're able to say things like, you know what? I don't know if you knew this, Susan, but you have a guaranteed pest control, which means we can come back at any time if you give us a call and gives you a chance to have that conversation. A lot of people, this surprised me about the pest control industry. A lot of our customers don't know that (laughs) they get free reservices. And one of the best ways to add value for any company in any industry is to not just have an offering, but to remind your customers of that offering frequently, where you're not asking for anything in return. You just in the invoice or any communication touch point, hey, just wanted to let you know you have free reservices at any time. Even if they've heard that a bunch, that just that little touch point adds value. And when you have the price kind of disassociated from the service, then it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense because they can come out at any time and they're not going to charge for those because it's included in the monthly subscription. So those are kind of my two main points and we can get into some other you know thoughts about it but that's the top of my head kind of interested to hear what you have to say about eric yeah you touched on a lot of really good things you know more than more than two of them there and just the first thing that you mentioned where you said you know sometimes owners believe 
you know, like they'll make a change and it'll be kind of difficult. And they're thinking, oh man, maybe this wasn't the right choice, you know? And what you said about making sure that the changes you make in your business follow a strategy was on point. That was so good. Because if you understand the long-term vision, you know, when you think about, okay, I'm going to make a change to subscription billing or whatever the change is. And you think, how does this fit into the long-term vision of my company? Right. You know, how does this fit into the long-term strategy? You know, two, three, four, five years down the road, you know, how do I want to position our business? If you understand the benefit and then you work backwards, you think, okay, I know this is going to be good for these reasons. Now let's talk about the impact it's going to have on my customers. Let's talk about the impact it's going to have on my employees and maybe even the impact it's going to have on me. And then if I understand what those things are and I take them into consideration, I can combat those impacts ahead of time. I can sit down with my team and I can say, hey, we're going to be making this change. It involves a lot of moving parts and pieces. I want to hear what you guys have to say and and your thoughts about it. And then let's come up with a game plan together to make sure that we can roll this out the best way possible, right? And when you do it in that format, you really kind of alleviate a lot of, one, the unknowns or the unexpected issues. And there's always going to be some of those that you can't account for. So it is what it is. But if you follow that strategy, like you're talking about, I think it goes over a lot better for you. But still, it's going to be a little bit tricky, going to be difficult. You're going to have pushback from customers, pushback from employees, just general sense of, of discomfort because you're changing the status quo. You're doing something that everybody's used to and it's nice and easy. And you're doing something different that they're not used to and is confusing, right? That discomfort. So I just wanted to, to touch on that because that was great. That transcends the subscription service idea and and goes into pretty much any business change you want to make, mm-hmm, right? For sure. But yeah, we we changed to subscription billing back in 2020. We kind of did it. It was interesting. We had a um, a sales team, a third party sales team that was coming in to knock for us, and they said, "Hey, we already do the subscription billing model, and we'd like to keep doing it for you guys if that's a possibility." And so we looked into it. And we just pulled the trigger on it that winter. We're like, let's do it. You guys are going to sell it that way. We'll start selling it to our new customers that way. We'll get everybody on board at the same time. I will say that I decided I like to isolate the variables when I make changes as much as I can. So I changed the billing format for new customers. I said, hey, any new customers that come in the door, we're doing this model, right? For any existing customers that you talk to, if it comes up in conversation, we can switch to that. But I didn't put any emphasis on transitioning my existing customer base over to the new model because I didn't want to deal with that much variable at the same time. Mm-hmm. So for our company, it's been funny. At the time, right, we had 0% subscription and 100% bill per service right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as we've added customers over the last three years or four years, and customers have canceled from bill per service, our percentage of subscription-based billing has grown bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And eventually, just naturally, what will happen is you'll add more customers and lose more customers, and you'll end up with a 90 to 95% subscription-based billing, right? So if anybody's listening and you're thinking, man, you know, I don't, I don't know how I would transition my entire customer base over. You don't have to do that necessarily. Mm-hmm. You can do it. And I've, I've worked with some PCOs that wanted to. And so I've helped them make the transition. But it's, it's different than like a price increase. I can send out a letter to a customer that says, hey, 
to maintain our value, we're going to be increasing your price tag to this. Call us if you have any questions. Mm -hmm. I would not recommend <laughs> that you change somebody's payment frequency because that's it's a, a much bigger change that kind of takes a little bit more engagement. And to be fair, I don't have any experience proactively changing a whole customer base like that, um, at least not with my company. So I can't give you any numbers. But I can say that from a subscription-based billing standpoint, like Alan pointed out, you do retain more customers. You have a, they have a better way of budgeting for the service. So if you consider it, if a customer is feeling poorly about the value that they see in your treatment, right? Three months is just long enough for them to forget about how much they pay for their quarterly service until they get that reminder call. And then they're like, oh, geez, 150 bucks for pest control, that thing that I don't really like that much. Oh, man, I, no way. I'm making a call, right? Mm -hmm. But 50 bucks a month is much more palatable, right? Mm -hmm. And just like you said, they're so used to having everything else in their life build monthly. All the subscriptions, their mortgage, their utilities, insurance, you name it, right? Everything yeah, revolves around exactly. this, this monthly system and their budgets revolve around a monthly system. So it sounds weird, but the pest control industry has actually kind of been fighting against the natural way that mm -hmm. people view budgets and, mm -hmm. and things. So separating the service from billing and having billing occur as part of their normal monthly budget schedule, but having the service still occur, however often it's needed, actually makes so much sense, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So I um, just wanted to echo some of those benefits. And then as far as the people who are wondering about the sales aspect of it, I, I wanted to throw out the way that my team usually pitches it. So, you know, when I talk about billing, you know, we just say, hey, our service is designed as a subscription, just like anything else, Netflix, Hulu, your utilities. And we have services that occur just once per season, once about every three months. You pay X amount of dollars for the first visit. And then just every month after that, it's this much per month. That includes those seasonal visits, and it also includes your unlimited warranty. So if you have any problems in between your regular visits, call us. We come out for no additional charge, right? And I actually think my team has it even more streamlined than that. So there is a way that you can explain it to customers that can be just as good, if not better, than the way you explained the quarterly billing version of it, I promise. It takes a little bit of work, but it definitely can be done. Yeah, I think that you just get used to it. You figure out what your systems are and get comfortable with it. And I think there's there could be a case made for some specific reason why somebody wouldn't switch over to subscription-based billing. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know what that would be right now. I think the pros outweigh the cons. When mm -hmm. you're, you know, I wanted to go back and touch on what you were your points about switching the entire customer base over. If you're going to do it based on the size of your company, if you're a small company, mm -hmm. I don't think it requires a ton of effort to do it, but you would want to do it like you do a price increase where if somebody calls in and they're like, Hey, I'm confused by this. It looks like I'm paying more money. Be patient mm -hmm. with them. Explain to them how it's actually the same price or even give them a little bit of a discount off of the first year. Sure. And then if they still don't want to do it, just, you know, hey, that's no problem because you're a valuable customer of ours. We're going to allow you to do this for another year or so, whatever you guys decide. And then 
let them know that it, would that be fair after a year if we could if it's the same mm-hmm. price could we get this switched over and most of the time people are going to be reasonable about it but yeah. if you're if you're going to change the customer base over and not just focus on the new customers and i like eric's idea of not doing it at the same time that's a that's one of the main reasons with companies when they create change is they try to do everything all at once because in their minds they think that that's going to be the easiest way and it certainly yeah. isn't I like coming up with a plan, a rollout plan with specific dates and doing doing it that way. And where we have quite a few different branches, that's how we make changes. We've made changes where we started with zip codes. We're like, hey, we're going to roll it out in this zip code first. We're going to give it a week after it's rolled out. We're going to get feedback from the team that did it. We're going to see where we made mistakes and where we didn't. We're going to give ourselves a chance to catch our breath. And then we're going to mm-hmm. kind of move on. So the first couple of rollouts is going to be slower in the beginning. It's going to feel tedious and that's how it needs to feel. But then when you learn from it, the pace is going to pick up and it's going to be faster in the end. So make sure that you have the, the correct approach with any type of change. Make sure that you're communicating often with your team and that you're being positive and you're showing patience with it. Let them mm-hmm. know, hey, Folks, like with any change, this is going to be difficult. It's going to be confusing. We're going to have some questions. We're going to goof a few things up and everybody's mm-hmm. going to be okay. Reinforce the, yep. your belief in the change and stand behind what you're saying. When somebody totally messes up, maybe a calculation of what the monthly cost should be, or they just don't handle a customer very well that's upset about it, be patient with them and put your money where your mouth is and have your teams back on that. I love protocols, checklists, mm-hmm. things like that that make it really clear for people when you're making that type of change. So sometimes you just need to get started and then you'll notice, oh, okay, well, we shouldn't have just sent a letter or just sent an email and we shouldn't have done this or that and we should have done this day one and that day two. Make sure that you're writing these things down and and keeping track so that you have a protocol for future changes. Recently, at Proof, we've been talking about changing one of our vendors on the payment side. So Hmm. how we pay for things. And I was just talking to our head accountant yesterday about it. And I reminded her, when you make that type of change within a company, you have to make sure, because she was kind of like, well, I think there's a couple of good things about it. But besides that, it's almost identical to what we're doing. And I basically mm-hmm. said, that's just not enough to make a change. Yeah. You have to identify two, three, four, five specific differences um, between the way things are done now and the way things are going to be done and ways that they're not just better, but they're material, which means they make a difference to the company. Because when you, if you're not just a one man show or you've got just a tech or whatever, the larger you are, the more difficult that changes. And it reminds me of the story I always tell about going into that Firestone and uh, submitted a work order, request for alignment or tire rotation, whatever. And he's like, all right, we got you set, hits a button. And all of a sudden I hear this dot matrix printer going off. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, this guys, this was a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I hear this dot matrix printer and I look over in the corner and sure enough, 
There's a dot matrix printer, you know, with the the holes on the side that you kind of tear off of the carbon copy. And I asked him, I'm like, man, you still use that printer, huh? And he said, well, for me, he was a franchise store, not a corporate. There's a couple of Mm. uh, Firestone franchise stores. And he said, you know, for me to take, to make that change just in our printer, because of our software, because of the people that use it, he's like, it would cost me millions of dollars. And so what do they do? They keep the dot matrix printer and they probably deal with all sorts of maintenance issues, finding replacement parts, having people that can service them. So they're choosing another battle. So when you're making this change, if you decide, hey, subscription-based services, subscription-based payment is what's best for my company, make sure that there are identifiable material reasons why you're doing it. I think with subscription-based payment, I think there's enough to it. There was a point where when we were doing it, and I'll have to pull up the list, but I identified 20 specific reasons why we were doing it. So there were a lot. Now, there are a couple of reasons to keep it. But as I'm kind of backtracking a little bit and going back to the reasons why, make sure that it's clear so that I love when people ask why. I love to ask them why they're doing something. And I Mm -hmm. love when they ask me. Why is one of my favorite questions. People that don't know why they're doing something, they hate that question. Because it's like, hey, you know, just think of it, you know, you, why'd you decide to wear that shirt today? It's like, dang, is there something wrong with my shirt? It automatically requires <laughs> yeah, this. Exactly. But mm-hmm. it can be really good in terms of, hey, just curious. We're making sure we're being efficient. But why did we decide to change that? And then when they ask you the same thing, you'll have this list of reasons. Hey, this is why I think it's going to be great for the company. And reemphasize, there's going to be points during this process, this change where you're like, what did we do? Why did we do this? Like, maybe we made the wrong decision. And then you refer back to those reasons. It will help with motivation. It will help with the process of it. But I think ultimately, I hope we answered the question, but I think ultimately it's a good move. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think the more that we talk about this, it reminds me that there are a lot of different facets of subscription-based billing, pros and cons, and, and different ways that it can be implemented. Sounds like we might be doing a Bug Bucks Plus course on subscription-based billing in the future, maybe. Could be that a good be idea. Awesome. That would be a great um, idea. Yeah. So if you guys are looking for that, you should shoot us some comments on the Facebook group and give us some feedback on it if you want a course with subscription-based billing. One thing I wanted to, to touch on, understanding the why behind the what in your business is something that I think occurs a lot to visionaries intuitively, right? If you're a business owner and you're a visionary in your business, you intuitively understand the benefits, but sometimes communicating those benefits to other people is is tricky. And I think that it's really important, just like you were talking to that accountant when you said, hey, like if it's not, if we don't have at least a few, you know, four or five, six benefits, it's just not worth the pain, you know? And I think it's important for you to understand those benefits and for the management to understand the benefits and for frontline colleagues to understand the benefits because, you know, you might change something, you might change something in a CRM or subscription-based billing or anything in your business. And if the people that are answering the phones, the people who are using the thing that you changed, right? If it's inconvenient for them and they don't understand the vision, they don't, they don't get the strategy of why you're making that change. Then they just see it as, oh, did Alan even take consideration what my needs were, you know, was Eric even thinking about this before he made this change? Does he even care that it's more difficult for me? Right. But if I can sit down and have that conversation 
and say, hey, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, but if you look further on down the road, here's the why, here's the reason, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of a quote when you were talking earlier, and I couldn't figure out who it was. Luckily, we got Google handy. So the quote is, and it's by Tony Robbins, the quote is, change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, right? I love that. So, you know, however way you can kind of unpack that and, and think about it for your guys' companies, the change occurs when the benefits of the change are going to significantly be more than the pain of that change, right? And when everybody's on the same page about what those benefits are, it makes so much more sense all the way around, right? So awesome. Awesome episode. Well, I think, yeah, we'll uh, great question, we might dive into man. a Bug Bucks Plus course. Yeah, that'll be yeah, that's, that was that's great. a great question. That's something that's really weighing on a lot of people's minds. It's very time mm-hmm. appropriate. It's something that needs some more in-depth analysis. But that's, I love these questions from our group. And it's cool to see the responses that people are getting within the group. It's like this immediate feedback. So for those of you that are in the Bug Bucks group on Facebook, make sure to use that. Feel free to ask questions, even if you feel like they've been asked, or even if you feel like they're, it's going to like put you under a spotlight, or you, you feel like it's a lot of people already know the answer. That's what that group is for. For those of you that haven't joined, make sure you go to the group. Make sure you find us on Facebook, B-U-G-B-U-X, and add. We now have, I think Eric mentioned 3,500 in the intro. I think we have well over 3,600 and growing. We're adding new members every day, and we're very careful about who we're adding and making sure it's this you know, fraternity, this society of PCOs that are willing to give back to the industry. So great group. Great question. Yeah. So more thanks, David Cox. Give credit to him for that question. Yeah. And just like you said, the answer is we had 30 comments on that question in the Facebook group. So, you know, you've got different perspectives from different PCOs who have done it, guys that still have other questions about it. So go check out the Facebook group. It always blows my mind whenever someone's like a long-term listener of the podcast, but like, isn't a member of the Facebook group. I know. You know? It's, it's funny. It's like, it's dude, like if you like the podcast, man, you should check out the Facebook group, dude. You're missing out. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Of course, just like Alan mentioned, if you haven't found the Facebook group yet, B-U-G-B-U-X. And until next time, keep building those pest control companies. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating. Thank you. And we'll catch you on next week's episode. 